Hello everyone, welcome to Mouth Off. This is the podcast from heyyouguys.co.uk. My name is John Lias and joining me to talk through the week's releases and film news, I have three fellow movie bloggers. Uh, first up, Gary Phillips, a uh, writer for our site who is currently undertaking a project. Some would say it's foolhardy, but to my mind he's going to be watching many, many good films. Uh, he is with uh, another writer on the site, Barry, watching every film on the IMDb Top 250 list in a year. And they're going to be posting their weekly updates to the site. And it's a bit of a mammoth project, but they're off to a pretty good start. Uh, Gary, we're into, uh, into February now. You've had a month of 2010. How many films have you seen so far? Uh, as of today, 26. Okay. And these are films that you've, uh, some of which you're familiar with and some of which you've never seen before? Uh, yes, right. Um, I've seen probably around about half of them so far. So I've got another half I've never probably seen before. Okay. And of course, as we know, I mean, the, the IMDb list is, is all fine and well. Um, uh, you froze it, I think, on the 1st uh, of The 1st of January we froze it, so we're going to watch all those films. We're doing 125 each, so it's working out to be quite good. I think we'll, you know we'll what you schedule. should do? To give you a kind of prize, if you do finish your 125 with any time to spare, you go to the worst 100 films and start watching those. I concur and agree with that. There you go. So it's, it's a done deal, Gary. That's Deuce Bigelow. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, Deuce I can't watch Deuce Bigelow. Yeah, you're going to have to, I'm sorry. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the rule we've just made up. Anyway. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Just as a quick sideline. <clears throat> oh, off the top of my head, I don't know. Mine is a film with Adam Sandler called uh, Going Over... No, not Going... Yeah, Going Overboard. Worst film ever made. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Uh, okay, I we... saw... What did I say? Um, Octopus versus Megashark. Oh, yeah, you saw that as well. That was pretty that bad. Was it the worst film you've ever seen? Uh, probably, yeah. I would say it's one of the worst oh. films I've ever seen. I don't know the worst film I've ever seen, but I do know that I've only ever walked out of one film, and I never walk out of films. I've walked out of Air Force One with Harrison Ford and Gary Oldman because it got to the point where, A, it's Gary Oldman doing another Russian accent and being the bad guy. And this is like, you know, many years after the Cold War. But also, Harrison Ford, kick-ass president, of course, has to be. He gets and has to disable some sort of bomb, rips open some bit in the cargo hold, and there's three strands, three wires, and he's got to cut them. The colours are red, white, and blue. I thought, balls to this. There's no way I'm going to stay and see. I'd rather imagine in my head that he died in a yeah. horrible, fiery mess uh, on my way out of the cinema than actually get to the whole ending where everything's great and everything's fine. So that's probably my worst one. Now get off my maybe plane. It was the, yeah. Maybe it was the... Yeah, get off my plane. Maybe it was the Union Jack that they were trying to get and not the... Uh, not the stri- Stars and Stripes. I think you're living in a dream. All the French. Um, <laughs> also joining me is the chief editor of Hey You Guys, Dave Stibblejack, who you've just heard. Um, he spent most of last week jumping from one press conference to another and writing up the reviews. You've met a lot of good people for a lot of um, really good upcoming films. Uh, Dave, you also met a bit of a legend this week. Tell us a bit more about that. I did. I've just finished editing the audio from that, actually, and you can look forward to that um, early next week. But I got to meet Chris Columbus, who's written... He, he wrote the script for a film you might have heard called The Goonies. Um, and we promised not to focus fully on The Goonies on this podcast or in any future one, but um, we just had to get that in there. It will crop up, uh, I think, from time to time. Yeah, it will do. Um, and talking about The Goonies quickly, yeah. Goonies is not in the top 250 films, which I think what are is they appalling. Playing at I know. Uh, you you got to stop that. We don't want to give them any more purposes. <laughs> Dave, you carry on telling us about Chris Columbus. Um, so we got to talk a bit more about Percy Jackson, which is the film that he's just done. But he also talked more a bit about Home Alone and his uh, the, the way that he likes to do his films are uh, very kid-based because he likes being on set with kids who've got a good attitude to be there and actually want to be there rather than um, seeing it as their job and 
feeling like they have to be there. So it was really cool. Um, and he, I, I plugged Hey You Guys, obviously, and he loved the, uh, I think the words was fantastic when I told him that uh, our website was called Hey You Guys, UK. Um, and he thought that The Goonies was going to, he didn't say flop, but he just thought it was an okay movie. He didn't think it was great. Um, but it wasn't until he came over here to do Harry Potter, the first two Harry Potters, that he also directed until everyone was coming up to him and telling him how much they loved it. So, so it was great. Also tonight, we're joined by Brendan Connolly. And those of you who are at all interested in movies and have access to the internet will know Brendan's work from SlashFilm.com. And in particular, if you're in the UK or have any interest in UK cinema, it is your legal and moral duty to check out his Slash Film UK column, which is up every Friday at SlashFilm.com. Um, it is indeed. I'd say it's an immoral and legal duty. <laughs> immoral and illegal duty to check it out. So, uh, so please do so. Brendan, it's great to have you here tonight. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. First things first, we're going to start by looking at a couple of films out in the UK today. Uh, we're going to look at Clint Eastwood's Invictus and Disney's return to the hand-drawn animation in Princess and the Frog. Dave, you saw this with me um, and you loved it. Um, you also spoke to the directors, um, John Musker and Ron Clements, didn't you, as part of the, uh, as part of the junk here. Um, what was your impression of how happy they were with the film? They seemed to love it, and they were everyone I spoke to. I spoke to Andreas Deja as well, who's the uh, supervising animator for one of the characters called Mama Odie. And everyone was just overjoyed to be returning back to 2D hand drawn animation. And it's all really down to John Lasseter um, coming back to Disney as creative director because um, without him, it was his vision, and he was the one who pushed it. And they were just so pleased to have him as an animator be their boss rather than a man in a suit. Um, well, I don't think John Lass has ever worn a suit unless they make suits out of Hawaiian shirt Hawaiian material. Yeah. Do you think, or did you get the impression they were under any pressure to kind of restore the fortunes of the 2D animation? As the directors, I don't think they were because it was Lasseter who was the, the visionary behind it and the one that pushed for it to happen. And in the interview, which you can see on heyyouguys.co.uk, um, we've got a banner for Princess and the Frog on the right-hand side. If you click that and watch the director's interview, they specifically say that without Lasseter on board, um, it wouldn't have happened. Um, if it had been anyone else, it wouldn't have been, wouldn't have happened at all. So. Okay, so, I mean, um, Gary, you have you seen Princess and the Frog yet? Uh, no, I haven't. No. Are you, I mean, as a person who, I mean, I know you love your animation, I know you love your 2D and, uh, and also 3D, but um, are you drawn to this at all? Um, no, not really. I haven't really had the, um, the urge to see it, I suppose because I've been so busy, but um, I think if I had to, I probably would go and see it, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Hand-drawn animation, you can't. Can't beat it. It's just like old school. I have to say that I was really surprised um, by how much I enjoyed it. There was a real uh, energy to it, you know. Which, which, and also you get the feeling that they had such a love for doing it. Dave, is that the impression that you got when you met with these people? Yeah, all the animators were just so pleased to be back doing it, and um, all you know, they all had big smiles on their faces. They obviously loved it um, so much so that when um, I was interviewing Andreas Deja, he was actually doing a drawing uh, of Mama Odie for me, which I've now um, got on my wall here at Hey You Guys Towers. And uh, it, it was, uh, you know, it was an honour really to to have that. But that they all loved doing it, and I know that um, after speaking to Anika Noni Rose, who plays Tiana, um, she was just overjoyed to be working at Disney in in a place that just feels magical, really. Uh, Brendan, you've just done a series of epic posts uh, on Slash Film for Princess and the Frog, and I know you're a big fan. Do you think that the Princess and the Frog is in any way a return to the glory days of Disney? It's better than a lot of their previous hand-drawn films. I mean, it, it's not the best, but it's certainly one of the better ones. And it's probably Ron and John's best film to date. Uh, Ron and John being uh, Musker and Clements, the directors of Treasure Planet and The Little Mermaid. And they've really come out swinging, I think. And it's a smart film, and it's an innovative film, and uh, it's a well-cast film, both in the sense of the actors, 
and also in the sense of what animators they gave the, the roles to. The next hand-drawn animated film they've got is uh, Winnie the Pooh. And I say hand-drawn, actually a lot of it's going to be painted in a watercolour style. Be be quite remarkable. And then they've got the uh, the Snow Queen coming. So so they've got a, you know, a good few on the boil, actually. But this one had to really, really set the scene, didn't it? It had to really kind of make an impact. And it seems a bit crazy, really, to think that... Um, the fact that CG, um, and, you know, CG and 3D uh, animation is uh, so prevalent in, in cinemas today that it would take someone, it would take John Laster, it would take Disney to come back to make 2D animation a viable option again. Well, it always was a viable option. It just wasn't a viable option in that sort of four square miles we, we, we think of as being the movie industry, that being, being Hollywood. I mean, Studio Ghibli never stopped pumping out their, their hand-drawn animation. Michel Ocelo still did his. I mean, there was a lot of great hand-drawn animation being done around the world, but maybe not in the, uh, in the blockbuster sense. Uh, so now, now hand-drawn animation hasn't come back from the dead. It's just risen up from being smaller films to being, you know, right down the middle, straight up mainstream cinema. Brendan, you obviously you, you've seen the film, and I take it that it sounds like you enjoyed the film quite a lot. I loved it. Do you think it would it would appeal to someone who isn't doesn't necessarily go to the movies, you know, very much, but they have a you know massive blockbuster three D CG craziness going on uh, in terms of animation, and they also see Princess the Frog? Don't you think they might think it's a bit dated? No, no. I, I mean, the amazing thing is, well, I mean, this is a story straight out of the horse's mouth when they first test screened it. Everybody was talking about the characters and about the music and about story, and not a single one of these people, these sort of lay people, these men from the street, women from the street, not a single one of them mentioned the style it was animated in. And that's the point, isn't it? Because if you've got the story, if you've got the characters right, and it shouldn't matter if it's Stickmen. When, when I saw it, um, I was um, really, really pleased because when I saw the, the animation, I did notice it, it did jump out of me because there was a real grace to it, which I found has been lacking so much in in you know, the CG animation world and to see it back on the screen, to see the energy that it had in it was just so much fun. And I, and I immediately knew it was going to be a huge hit. So I was really, really pleased. I'm just hoping that, I mean, I don't know how well it's done in America, um, but I know that it's, it's I mean, only just crossed the $100 million mark. So it's, it's, it's not been a rip roaring success. How much did it's it cost not, to make, Brendan? Do you know? Well, it depends on who you believe, but it's going to turn a profit. There's no no doubt of that. But but the fact of the matter is, a, a film with that amount of marketing behind it taking this long. I mean, that's uh, that's about a month and fifteen days, it's over six weeks, I think, that it took to actually uh, clear that hundred million mark, and that's that's quite a long time. According for, to for, Wikipedia, you know, it, it cost one hundred and five million dollars, which doesn't isn't necessarily right, but it's probably a good ballpark. And yeah. then when you add P and A on that, I mean, yeah. you're probably way more for that. Yeah. Well, they reckon it's made 178 million worldwide so far. What's the future for Disney, in in your opinion, Brandon? What do you think in terms of like the style of animation? Are they going to live alongside each other, or are they just going to go for one or the other? Oh, they're they're, they're going to live alongside each other. In fact, they, they've got a lot of interesting stuff on on the boil. I mean, their CG work at Disney as well as hand drawn. Their CG work at Pixar. I wouldn't put it past Pixar to do a hand-drawn film at, at some point. In fact, there's these persistent rumours of Brad Bird doing a hand-drawn film at Pixar, but I think they're just that for the moment. I think they're just rumours. But some of some of Disney's upcoming films that they've got in development are, are really quite off off the, the you know the the, the wild trod path. There's a a film Ron and John have been toying with, which is a CG sort of film about a cat called Frady Cat, and apparently it's like an animated Hitchcock movie. Oh, I love it. Um, 
there's a movie called Joe Jump, which is about a, a video game mascot from the 80s trying to deal with like uh, the modern day world. So they've got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of unusual um, product that's not just, you know, storybook retellings, even though, you know, they do their storybook retellings better than anybody. They really, really do. And this is, you know, a, a typical example. I mean, it's out in the UK today, um, 5th of February, and I do think it's going to do quite a lot of business. If you, you, they've, Disney have just done, released Toy Story 2 in 3D. And that's done. Uh, that's done pretty well. That was pretty much just to say, here's Toy Story two in the cinemas again, but also get ready for Toy Story three. So, um, I don't know. I think the future's bright, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they come up with. And it sounds like they're going to come up with that. You know, they're going to do things a little differently, which is uh, which is good for us. I think really. I don't think it really matters if it's in three D or uh, hand drawn animation, as long as the story's right. Well, in terms of quality, of course. I mean, we, we've got one of the greatest film directors of all time at the head of that company now, and that's a remarkable position, really. That that you know, I mean, it was quite remarkable that Pixar was being being run by him. The fact that something as big as Disney is being run by him, I mean, it's a golden era for animation. The, the three of us who have seen it, we all say, go out and see it, you know, and uh, and just revel in it because I had such a good time with it. So I'm sure they will yeah. too. It's out of the cinema now, isn't it? So um, get to yeah. any local cinema and watch it, definitely. Absolutely. Um, okay, thanks for that, guys. The The second film um, that we're going to be looking at today is Invictus. Now, I haven't seen this yet. I know, I think Dave's... Brendan, have you seen this yet? I haven't. It, it, sorry, are you saying Invictus? Isn't yeah. that some sort of cough syrup? <laughs> <laughs> it should be. It should, they can play off the, uh, off the marketing for the film, I think. I'm going to add in a drum roll after that, Brendan, just so you know. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, Dave, you're the, only one, you're the only one to talk about it. Do you want to talk about this or should we go straight onto the news? I don't mind talking about it to say I really enjoyed it. I think I'm not surprised. It's, it's done really badly in America, and I think the main reason for that is because the Americans have seen it and said, oh, it's about rugby. I'm not that bothered about it. Um, but actually, it's nothing to do with rugby at all. Rug- rugby is just a catalyst for um, carrying the story about a, a country being rebuilt by an amazing leader in the form of Nelson Mandela with the, with the help of the uh, South African rugby captain. And um, it's, a, it's an inspiring, true story. Um, and uh, I thought it was excellent. I really uh, think you should go and see it, and I think you'll enjoy it as well. Yeah, I have absolutely no interest in this at all. Gary, Brendan, are you interested in going to see this latest well, one? From... What, what puts me off is that it's directed by Clint Eastwood. That's what puts me off. You think like, that's I, a put-up rather than oh, a, a straw? Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. I mean, I was rolling in laughter at Gran Torino. I mean, that's just such a ridiculous film. <laughs> I don't think Eastwood's a very good director at all. Um, I think that his best films have, have worked in spite of his direction. I mean, if you look at films like Unforgiven, that's an almost unimpeachably fantastic screenplay by David Webb Peoples. And, and Clint just sort of like flops it on the screen. It's like a pancake that missed his pan. But... Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think you know I I, I don't care at all. But um, did, did Million Dollar Baby winning Best Director? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, listen, we're going to talk about the Oscars later. So I mean, you know, we can uh, Dave, you say go and see it, Brendan. Yeah, you it's say... great. Or at least come back with an opinion and let us know on the site in the comments what you thought of it. And if you agree with Brendan, you know, tell us. We're, we're quite. Well, we, we look forward to hearing some uh, some uh, some different uh, views of opinion there definitely hang on i've not judged it yet i've only prejudged it he doesn't like it brilliant <laughs> no i'll tell you what i think when i've seen it okay so i think that's uh, that's all for the for the um 
the films that are out now. Has um, anyone seen Astro Boy? Come on, don't forget Astro Boy. That's out today. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'll tell you what, we got an email today from a PR company and they said, uh, I think I've deleted it, but it says, as I'm sure you're aware, Astro Boy is out today in cinema. I just laughed and was like, I had no idea. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> I, I've only ever seen, no, about Astro Boy. I, I, is it some Japanese thing or something like that? I, I don't know anything about it. All I know is that the TV advert has um, guns coming out of his ass. And, yeah, that's Astro Boy. and he says, I've got guns in my butt or something like that. Now, that yeah. sounds inappropriate on so many levels. I don't think I want to go and see it. Morally, I don't think I'm able to go and see it. <laughs> OK, well, Astro Boy is also out if you want to waste your money. Uh, not that we well, prejudge it's anything. It's a really good comic strip, John. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, based on. It's rubbish. We, just, the, yeah, we don't know it's rubbish because I've seen it. Hang on a second. He's got guns coming out of his ass. What more can it be? Gee, come on. Have you seen it? Very, very no, 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 no. But I've seen enough material to see that there's an awful lot of material from the original manga in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it hears about as much as that the CG Turtles film did from a couple of years ago. And everyone gave that a pass because they were just hitting stuff with sticks. I, I think I'm, I'm interested to see Astro Boy. I think it's probably going to be a notch or two above um, the cough syrup movie. But it's interesting. That it's, it's got a British director. It's Dave Bowers, who's, uh, I, I believe, a Bristol lad. Okay. Well, every chance you can go and see Astro Boy if you, if you fancy seeing that. Um, we're going to move on now to um, to some film news that out in the last couple of weeks. Um, everything that we'll be discussing tonight is actually available on the site, heyyouguys.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash heyyouguysblog. Um, we have discussions there, we, um, we argue there, we have competitions. And also, if there's a terrible 80s film on TV, we'll always gather around uh, and our separate locations watch it and comment on it. The last one we watched was Top Gun. You just said a terrible 80s film. Top Gun. Yeah. He's I'm, right. I'm not, I'm not going back. back. Hang on a second, hang on a second. For a bit of context here, I have never seen Top Gun. Um, had never, had never. Had never seen Top Gun. I'm, blo- I'm, I'm really blanking it out. I'd never seen Top Gun, and it's gone beyond <laughs> parody now, hasn't it? So, and the, the, my favourite thing was, while we were watching it, and I was wiping up the vomit, um, Dave was telling me on Twitter which songs were coming next. The fact that he'd watched it so many times that he knew... The danger zone was going to be coming on. Highway to the danger zone, playing with the boys. Okay. My wings. Get the soundtrack, everybody. <laughs> you are available, <laughs> available at all good record stores. Man, I don't know. But anyway, so you can always join us on, on Twitter or ignore us or block us or whatever now that you've just heard that. Um, okay, the first bit of film news is something that's been it's been playing around for the last um well for the last couple of months. Um but we learned this week that um they're gonna be overhauling Clash of the Tides or uh, and the final Harry Potter films. They're gonna be doing them in three D. Um three D seems to be uh, so prevalent in, in actually every single film production that's coming out in terms of like the major blockbusters. Ghostbusters 3D is rumoured instantly. It's going to be 3D. The, the next Spider-Man film, I'm sure, will, of course, be 3D. And with the success of Avatar, I can imagine that virtually anything that can be converted into 3D uh, will be. Um, Harry Potter is a bit of an interesting one. Are they going to go back and do the, the other films uh, you know, retroactively, or um, are they going to leave them as they are? And also Clash of the Titans, this is a big film that's coming out, and um, I do wonder if a, th- if a 3D you know, uh, model or if, 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 a, if a 3D effect applied to it is going to make any difference. Um, guys, what do you have to say about this? When I interviewed Chris Columbus on Monday, and you can hear the interview on the website, he, um, he made a point of the fact that, because we compared uh, Percy Jackson and Clash of the Titans together, because obviously they're both Greek mythology, and he made a point of saying the fact that Clash of the Titans was going to be in 3D. Um, and he sounded a little bit, not worried, but he sounded like, 
that could be a thing that you know gives Clash a bit of an edge against Percy Jackson. Though. Well, commercially, it'll, commercially, it will give it a bit of an edge. Artistically, well, I mean, that's like saying a colour film's got edge over a black and white film. It's not necessarily true, is it? I think 3D's fantastic. This kind of dimensionalisation tends to be a bit iffy. When done well, it can be fantastic. I don't know if any of you saw the 3D version of Nightmare Before Christmas, but it looked sumptuous. It was a wonderful job. And Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland was shot in 2D and upconverted to 3D throughout the post-production. It was always meant to be in 3D, but it was always shot in 2D and in... Um, processed so um depending on how it's processed and what the intent is and how they're trying to work it i'm sure it can be a success that's really the least of clash of the titans problems from an artistic point of view i think um but it is going to give it an edge at the box office because 3d tickets cost more it's as simple as that and the way box office is calculated which is baffling to me but the way it's calculated is in terms of pounds spent the fact that, that 3D is just a, a, a marketing gimmick, do you think, to get people back into cinemas? Do you, has it ever added anything tangible to your experience? Yeah. Go on. <laughs> Easily. Um, listen, think of it this way. If you think about a 2D film, um, the cinematographer's got a lens on there, a single lens on there, which has got a bunch of basic variables. You know, how big is the aperture even going to be behind the lens? Um, if it's a, a variable de- uh, focal le- depth lens, you know, how long or how wide are they going to go with this? And this controls the optic properties of the shot that's being shot. And it affects, even though the audience don't know it and shouldn't know it, it affects their underpinning relationship to those images and their emotional reaction to them. Now, 3D just gives another bunch of variables to cinematographers or stereographers, as they would be in this case. And a good director can use that to have another bunch of ways to fiddle with the reality of the film, to change the way the audience feel about it. Now, it's I don't care if you don't realise it's real and it works. It's just a fact. 3D is, if the language of 3D is spoken properly, it can advance the film significantly. It's like, um, you know, I'm not saying all black and white films should be colourised into 3D, nor am I saying all two-dimensional films should be dimensionalised into 3D, but it is a bunch of language tools that filmmakers can use and do do help them uh, create and provoke certain specific responses in an audience. And that's not just going, something jumped out at me. It's all, all other very subtle ideas. Brendan, who's, who's working in, in 3D at the moment? Who's, who's done that for you? Well, I think Coraline is, is the, the, the most cutting-edge 3D film. Pete Kozachik's work in 3D there is amazing. What, what they did and, and what they've come to understand about, about these variables, which are the interocular distance, the distance between the two cameras, and the convergence, i.e. the angle at which those two cameras are pointed, and, and how those two variables can be used to change the nuance of a shot in a way that is profoundly affecting but not, not uh, you know, in the face of an audience... Is amazing work. Um, I've got to say, some of the work in Avatar is great. I mean, there's some very subtle stuff in there. I mean, I've been watching films since I was a little kid, and I've been paying a lot of close attention. I've started to be very quick uh, uh, making, you know, uh, being aware on the spur of the moment, immediately when I see a shot in 2D, how it's been put together and, and, and what the sort of formal elements are. With 3D, I'm still not quite there. I can't look at a 3D shot and immediately straight away know what they've done to it. So I've been to see Avatar a bunch of times, and I've been studying it, and there's some great stuff in there but Kozachik's fantastic there's a guy called Joshua Holland who's dimensionalising stuff for Pixar there's a guy called Phil McNally Mr. 3D and his work for DreamWorks it's better than the films I mean his work in 3D is better than almost any other element in the films that it's been on Um, if anybody looks up Brent did he do How to Train Your Dragon 
Uh, yes, she did. Because yeah, I've seen yeah. that and it was fantastic. I the whole next, film? Yeah. Probably the best 3D of any film I've ever seen. Um, and the film I thought was fantastic. Um, I thought Up was good 3D, and but then and obviously Avatar was the next. But this year really is the first year that I've actually gone to the cinema to watch 3D films. Um, and I saw How to Train Your Dragon la- no two weeks ago, and um, it was nearly finished. It was, there was a few um, scenes where there was wireframe, but uh, I think everyone out there is going to love it, and the 3D will probably blow your minds. I think it was excellent. Okay. So what is good 3D, Dave? What do you mean when you say good 3D? I think... Uh, the, oh no! Look, see, so you put me on the spot. Can I can I just say something here? Because I've only ever seen two films in 3D. Uh, one of them was Toy Story 2 about three weeks ago, um, and the other one was Avatar about a week ago. Now, um, the two the two couldn't be more different. The um, the 3D in in Avatar was uh, jarring uh, initially when I first saw it, uh, and then it kind of settled down with with Toy Story 2. It was always jarring. It always felt a bit unusual. You, you, do you remember the um, the Viewmaster things you used to have as a kid? Um, where you turn it around in the red, turn, yeah. like the red, the red glasses. Well. Yeah, I've got kind of an irrational fear of those. I'm not quite sure why. Um, I once put the 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 disc um, in backwards, so all the 3D effect was reversed, and it freaked me out. And I have to say that that still holds. So when I saw when I saw Toy Story <laughs> two, it actually freaked me out a little bit. Whereas Avatar was um, was a, a very different experience, and and I forgot about it. And then there, there were a few shots, and I'm sure there there are many more if I see it again. That um, the 3D aspect. It, it, it was so subtle and then it became so obvious like when he's looking over you know waterfalls or off one of the floating uh, the floating rock things um where you really noticed it and it added so much to it so my experience with 3d films is not great at all but i'm beginning to see a you know a difference in a film that's been you know sort of retrofitted with it and ones that have been shot in it Sounds like my reaction to films were clowns in, to be honest. I don't think anybody should take credence of, of, of either of us on these particular subjects. You had your Viewmaster moment, and when I went to see Zombieland and that thing came under the toilet door, yeah, yeah. I screamed at the top of my lungs and jumped three feet in the air. Now, I never get scared of films, so I think, um, I think that immediately disqualifies me from writing a review of Shakes the Clown, and I think it immediately disqualifies you from writing a review of Toy Story 3 3D. I think you could be right. If they ever make a uh, 3D film of, of clowns, then we're stuffed, I think, frankly. Uh, <laughs> or American Wealth in London for me. My dad made me watch that when I was about seven, and ever since the, uh, the neck slitting scene, I've had a phobia of people touching my neck. Exactly, and, this is it. Yeah, it freaks film, me out. Film phobias, though. I also have something similar. I have a real fear of, of Nazi zombies coming into my house and yeah. killing me, uh, which I think is quite rational. Combined with the Muppet Show playing at the same time. <laughs> I'm going to do show. a live tweet. I'm going to say, what are your what are your pho- film phobia fears? And see if okay. we can get some tweets on for the end. I don't think you're going to get any, any weirder than Viewmaster. I'm not quite sure how that works <laughs> out. But, um, okay, I think we've exhausted 3D. Watchmen 2. Um <gasps> That's it. Thank you, Brendan, for the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrilege. This is, uh, I think it was Rich Johnson, wasn't it? A bleeding cool who put an article together about um, DC considering doing prequels and spin-offs from, uh, from Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' uh, comic book. First of all, do you think, this may be an obvious question, but do you think this has come uh, because of the success, relative success of the film in getting people to buy the book again? Or do you think it's, uh, it's just the natural step? Well, there's been a lot of copies of the book sold, haven't there? And the film has helped with that. Um, listen, what DC are looking for in the short term is some more of that, you know, that, that publishing money, some more, more comics money. 
But I do fear we could end up with a with a second film. It might be brilliant. It could even be the best film ever made. It, it might not be. I'd certainly be interested to see someone someone try. About fifteen years ago or so, apparently Dave Gibbons and Alan Moore did meet up and, and kick around the idea of doing a second Watchmen themselves, and 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 they they couldn't come up with something they were happy with. But maybe now, under pressure, it may even be them that do it. And and there are rumours and rumblings that it's going to be Dave Gibbons anyway, even if it's not Alan Moore. And Rich yeah. has been pulling together more and more information on this. And it looks like it's happening. A lot of people, including Nicky Fink. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I, sorry, I went off track because I thought of Nicky Fink. And if there's one thing that's going to put you off your stroke, it's Nicky Fink. Um, she's, she's quoting you know, sources saying, there's never going to be a film. There's never going to be a film. You can't say never. Look, if this thing sells a lot of comic books and... The DVDs and Blu-rays of Watchmen self-sufficient copies. There'll be another cheap Watchmen film. Of course there will. They've got all the actors under contract. Zack Snyder won't come back. So what we could be looking at is really cheap Watchmen 2 with loads of actors who don't even want to be in it. So that's great, isn't it? Watchmen is, is, it is held up, isn't it, in the, with, with such high regard. And I have to say that I didn't enjoy the film that much, but I did enjoy the fact that nearly everyone wanted to go back and, and, and read the comic book. So, um, Dave, I, I saw this with you. Did you enjoy the film? I did. It, I, I'd watched the animated comic before because I didn't have enough time to read it, so I went the cheating. <laughs> I went the cheating. I went the cheating method, um, and I thought the animated comic was really good. And the film followed okay. The, the, the animation, the, the you know the, the CGI, sorry, was brilliant. Um, but do you think there's? Do you think there's there's legs? Do you think that there's you know? Is there any more story to tell? Is this going to be? A, you know, are they going to do prequels? Because the problem is with with Hollywood, it doesn't it doesn't matter if people. It's all about the money, if because you know, like we were saying earlier, with John Lasseter is an animator doing, um, becoming the boss of a of an animation studio, so he's he's the perfect man to replace. But most studios are run by a man in a suit who looks at the bottom line and says, "Did this make money? Will people go and see a second one? Well, yes, they will. So I'll make a film about it." Unfortunately. Okay, that makes tons of sense. Okay, yeah. I don't. I don't think it'll be a three-hour epic again, though. <laughs> I think it'll be a shorter two two-hour. Yeah, or you get more bums on seats, or even a series of them. You know, a couple of sequels, yeah. or a nose, maybe a prequel and and a spin-off. And who knows? Flashbacks. John, you got a bit of paper there. I have. It's right. virtual paper. Right, write this down. We should all guess how many minutes long do we think Watchmen Two is going to be? Right, whoever gets the closest without going over wins a prize. All right, so I'll start. Go on, Brendan. Eighty-two minutes. Eighty-two. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Gary, what do you reckon? Um, one twenty-four. One twenty-four. Dave. Oh, long. I'm going a hundred. Okay, and I'm going to go two hundred and fifty-one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it's going to be epic. <laughs> Four hours, ten minutes. Four hours, ten, no, including four, credits or not? Four hours and eleven minutes. That last minute's really important. And okay, guys, people, people listening to this podcast, put in the comments how long you think it's going to be. And uh, if none of us are right and you guys are nearer, then you win a prize. We'll yeah, exactly. work out what. And you, you can win. In fact, you can win my animated version of the original comic if you want. There you go. Actually, do yourself a favour. Go out and buy the original one, the actual comic book itself. That's much more fun. Okay. But maybe they won't be able to read as quick as a bunch of actors <laughs> reading quite slowly, and they'll need to watch it on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think the actors are going to put in the comments? <laughs> that would be good. Okay, right, we're going to move on from this. Um, and I think the final bit of news we've got to talk about is uh, is the Oscars because they the nominations were made uh, this week in- incredibly quickly. You could just sense that around the whole 
blogging world, there were people trying to rapidly trying to keep up. I know I <laughs> we was. Were gonna, we were trying to tweet it. We were like, yeah, we sat. Oh, I'd never seen one before, not live. And I thought, yeah, there'd be, you know, it takes half an hour for this sort of stuff because there'll probably be 25 commercial breaks in between. But no, no, no. They, it was live web streamed. And it was, it, like John said, it, was, uh, it started and it finished. And uh, we, couldn't, um, we couldn't type fast enough. So uh, in the end, we just had to wait for the Oscars to put up the official one. And we copied it off that. I, I, I spoke to, to, to Brennan about 10 minutes or maybe half an hour after it was, uh, after it was um, announced. And, uh, Brendan, I believe you were very happy that there was a particular favourite uh, for Best Picture and Best Director. Could you elaborate word for word? Yeah, I think it was about 15 minutes after the nominations were announced. And what I'd been doing for that 15 minutes was punching walls. <laughs> I'm absolutely disgusted that Lee Daniels has been nominated for Best Director and Precious has been nominated for Best Film. They're horrendous. Uh, it's ho- horrendous nominations. That film was an atrocity. He, he should be ashamed of himself. It's the worst kind of condescending cultural tourism. It's rank, arrogant. <laughs> Don't sit on the fence, gold. Brendan. Don't sit on the fence. I've actually turned bright green again here talking about it now. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that maybe I should just go around and just burn down cinema and start screening it. It's an absolute crime against cinema. Anybody who pays to go and see it after they've hear it, heard me say this should never look me in the eye. Do you know again. what? I really hope it wins. I just want to do it. <laughs> No way it's going to win. It's only been nominated out of some sort of pathetic sort of, you know, sort of sense of responsibility. It's not the content of the film that I've got issue with here, by the way. I think it's, um, it's important that we, we have stories um, uh, like this, you know, about these people and these contexts. Is it specifically, Brendan, the fact that it's Lee Daniels? And I, and I have to say, you know, I, I haven't seen the film. I've just heard a lot of people talking about it. And, they, and you know, their comments are that it has no love for cinema there's no sort of cinematic language involved it's just here it is and it's miserable is yeah, that the, it's the opposite it's a big load of grandstanding flash nonsense it's like the horrible you know already born putrefying stillborn wreck child of david fincher and scorsese the camera rocks back and forth it jump cuts left and right we've got all these bizarre fantasy sequences which are introduced with like these sort of burning through celluloid effects it's essentially what a 14-year-old thinks is really, really cool. Hangs on to this, like, oh, my God, you just won't believe it. Like, she was, like, raped, like, loads of times, and, like, raped as a kid, and her mum, like, raped her and all this other stuff. And it's just absolutely rank. It's, the, it's basically the equivalent, it's the cinematic equivalent of injecting children with live cancer cells. That's the quote that we're going to use on the, on, oh my goodness. on the poster. You can just see it, Brendan Connolly slash film, like giving children cancer. Nice one. Well, I, I mean, um, I don't think, having said that, I don't think it's even going to get close to a, to a win. But the fact is it has been elevated because the, the best picture has gone up from five to ten this year. Do you think it would have made it anyway, regardless? Yeah, it's just the sort of crap that they throw their weight behind. I mean, uh, uh, the five films that have sort of snuck in that probably wouldn't have made it would be like, you know, District 9 and... Um, Blindside? Bl- well, no, Blindside's another one. See, maybe, maybe Blindside and Precious would have cancelled each other out. But I've not seen Blindside, but I I, I mean, I can't imagine it's going to be such an affront in its sort of 
in its sort of cinema construction formalist terms as as precious is i mean if you can imagine watching natural born killers three times over the top of itself out of sync backwards upside down with an alarm bell going off that's kind of like what watching precious is like we see i i mean it, it's out and, and we haven't seen it we haven't got a screening for it and we haven't you know paid to go and see it yet so i don't think i'm gonna make that effort now thanks brandon um but precious <laughs> precious aside um, gary you can go <laughs> okay yeah i'll do no, one for the team you. one for the team absolutely yeah. um okay but he I mean, I think what was a bit of a bigger shot was the fact that he was a best director. Um, now, given the fact that it's 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 Cameron, it's, it's Catherine Bigelow and Tarantino and, and Jason Reitman, um, do you think that it's going to be the obvious uh, Bigelow-Cameron face-off? Do you think it's going to come down to Avatar and Hurt Locker? Bigelow's going to win. You think? Because well, Cameron she, won Golden Globe, didn't he? She, she won the DGA. And it's, she what, did. Six, ti- six times out of 62 that it's not gone the way of the DGA... Um, if I were a gambler, I'd place all my. I, if, I'd probably put my my house on on Bigelow. Um, I'm going to write that down. I, yeah. I think you should do that. Actually, I think it's I, 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 I rent. Um, <laughs> but, um, well, I think it's definitely her. But I'm thinking they might give Avatar picture. Yes, yeah, what I was thinking. Split it. And what about? I mean, yeah, like 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 they did when they got divorced that time, and like one of them had half of it, and one of <laughs> So you got best director in the divorce. That's pretty good. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Um, in terms of in terms of the, I mean, we're not going to go through every single category, but were there any um, any surprises for for you guys? Anything that you think missed out? Uh, uh, moon. moon, yeah, yeah moon. definitely moon. And what? And I mean, the thing is, I we I, I know that we all loved it, but do you think? I mean, would it be Sam Rockwell, or do you think it's going to be best? You know, would it be up for best director? Where, where do you think Clint it missed out? Oh uh, yeah, Clint absolutely. I mean, that's just what. What on earth? Why no. is that not in there? I mean, that's head and shoulders above most of the other soundtracks of the year. What Definitely do you mean, Hans Zimmer and, and Sherlock Holmes? Are you sure? I am yep. joking for people there who can't see my sarcastic face on at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I, I think that Sam Rockwell, for me, I, I think that that was one of the performances of the year. And I know there's a huge Twitter campaign to get behind him, which clearly didn't reach the ears of the uh, of the Academy. But that, but that's well, fine. He was in the studio. I didn't say anyone sending out screening discs or something. I know that there was something uh, along those lines, but you know, you you never know how the politics of this situation works. But was there anything else that you think missed out up in the air? And and, and Jason Reitman got re- represented, yeah. you know, by the um, in, in, especially in terms of best best actress as well. Do you think that that Jason Reitman's going to win anything? Be nice he might he get adapted script. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, mind you, he's he up might, again. You know, I have to say that I, I, I'm very pleased that um, in the loop was uh, was nominated as well. I think, I, although I don't understand why it's adapted screenplay. I thought, is it because there was a TV program? Yeah. Okay, the thick right. of it. All right. Oh, I see. Best adapted screenplay. They've got Precious up there as well. That please you bring in. It's barely got a screenplay. About two thirds of the way through, its entire narrative drive has been expended like twice over. And it treads water for fifteen minutes, and then they inject some other subplot that comes out of nowhere, and then it just ends all over again. It's one of the most maddeningly badly structured films. The actual story it's telling us is is profoundly touching. I just don't want. I don't want somebody. To, I mean, it's like you know, you're watching Crime Watch and you're hearing about like an old lady. Someone's breaking into old lady's house and beat her to death. Well, like, you know, the person who's telling you is in clown face and juggling. I mean, that's really what it's like. OK, uh, are, are there any other rewards? I, th- I think uh, Kerry Mulligan would be would be my pick. Um, who's going to win? Yeah, who's going to win Best Actor, Best Actress? OK, um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say who I like 
and I think uh, I'll probably say who will win. I think uh, Carrie Mulligan will win uh, for Best Actress. I don't know why, but I think she deserves it for Best Actor. It's going to be Jeff Bridges, but I would like it to be Colin Firth. Guys, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'll go for Jeff Bridges, definitely. Um, I haven't seen it in many of the, um, the Best Actress films, so I wouldn't know, but probably Meryl Streep probably get that. I did like George Clooney in Up in the Air. Was, was did Jeremy Renner get deserve deserve to get nominated for Hurt Locker? Uh, I think he was a surprise to a lot of people, but I think he was a really good performance. But he, he was good in it. But Sam Rockwell was better in Moon. Brendan, what do you reckon? I don't know. I'd like to see Meryl. Christoph Waltz in supporting actor, definitely. That's that. That's he's going to walk. Um, person, yeah. I mean, he should do Jeff Bridges for for lead actor. I mean, as much for for a recognition for the fact that it's Jeff Bridges as anything yeah, yeah. else. And I mean, that's what these things are really about, aren't they? I mean, this isn't. I mean, you know, the the, the Oscars are, are, are ridiculous. I mean, I, I root for them. It's the closest thing to a sporting event in my life, and I always take <laughs> a team and I always cheer on. Haven't you and booked? I, you've booked your special hotel ready for it, haven't you? Special hotel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really do root for you know for the people that I that I, I want to win, and I really do do throw things at the screen every time someone says Precious. Or, and the or, winner of Best Picture 2010 Oscars is Precious. <laughs> I I'd like to see that hotel room after. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so hang on, so so Brendan, this year, who, are you going to be Team Bigelow or Team Cameron? I think I'm I think I'm Team Bigelow, and I'll tell you why. I don't think she's done as good a job as he has. But he's going to get another shot. I think this is a year. And because it's not really about recognising who did the best work, because, like, is Terry Gilliam nominated for best director? No. Um, So, um, you know, it's not really about that at all, is it? So I'm going to root for her, again, as a recognition for her entire oof. Um, And because uh, Big Bad Jim's going to come back swinging again, isn't he? I think you could be right. Dave, uh, give give us your picks, quickly. Um, I think I loved Avatar. Um, I think it was probably my favourite film in the last five years, really? um, so yeah, so I'm I'm hoping for a lot for Avatar on and Cameron on best director, best actor. I haven't seen that many of these films. The only one I've seen is oh, I've seen Hurt Locker and Invictus, um, and I but and, and I hear the other three films are amazing. I, I want to see Crazy Heart so that I can see Jeff Bridges' performance. Um, the same with the best actress. Actually, I haven't seen that many of them. I'm too busy running a website, so uh, I, I shouldn't really be doing that, should I? One other thing that, that I want to mention is the, um, the best uh, animated feature. I think uh, to see Coraline there, I think, is, is fantastic. Yeah, that's great. And I, you know, that, that's where my mind is going, despite the fact that we all love Princess and the Frog and Up was, 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 was you know, good uh, up, up to a point. I didn't see Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I did love Coraline. Rubbish. What, Fantastic Mr. Fox? Rubbish. I've never even heard of The Secret of Kells. What's that? What? Its what? full title is Brendan and the Secret of the Kells. <laughs> An Irish-Belgian-French co-production. Yeah. That smells of quality. It looks gorgeous. <laughs> the trailer's beautiful. It was on at the Barbican's Children's Fest late last year, but I missed it. I missed that too, uh, yeah. I really, really want to watch it. I think it looks great. It won't be as good as Coraline, because not many films really are at mm. all, ever. Um, so, you know, if Coraline doesn't win, which it probably won't, Up probably will, because it's going to be... You know, how does Emma Thompson decide what the best animated film is? She just checks the one she thinks probably was, or the one that she bothered to watch off of the list. You could be right, I think, there. 
It's like ludicrous. Emma Thompson and Brad Pitt. Who did the best editing this year? <laughs> we know what editing is. Let's think about this carefully. We understand montage. Let's put our heads together. Um, um, I'm going to vote for the longest film. Yeah. Notice how all the films in the best editing, ca- editing category are like really long. Because they had to work that little bit harder, didn't they? Yeah, it took longer. <laughs> okay, I'm Precious, gonna... That's because Precious is in there as well. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, well, let's let's stop with the with the Precious hate just uh, just for this week, sir. Let, let's move on now. Um, Oscars are in. When is it? The, the just the end end of February. Is that right? I think. So yeah, uh, we'll got BAFTAs on the twenty second. Is it? Okay, uh, that sounds about right. Well, we'll certainly be here to chat about the uh, the rise and fall of Precious. Right. The next thing we're going to talk about. We've, we've done the news for this week. We've got a uh, an update now for um, from a project that we mentioned earlier. Uh, Gary and Barry. Uh, doing the whole of the top uh, 250 films on the IMDb list as of the 1st of January 2010. They're going to be looking at every single one, uh, doing a mini review, mini roundup of, of, of their place uh, in, in, the, in the list, but also, um, you know, just sort of what they thought of the film and why they think it's included. Um, Gary, you've said you've already seen 26 in a month? Um, 26 so far this year, yeah. Okay, and a couple have been new to him and a couple have, uh, have been, you know, old favourites. Give us a bit of an update. You can read all, all about this on the site, but um, as a project, how do you think it's going so far? Um, it's going pretty well. I'm, I'm flying out the blocks, uh, so I'm watching a film pretty much every day uh, on the way to work at as lunch. It, as it should uh, be. Yep. And, uh, a bit more background on the, on the project and how they've, they're voted for. Um, it's people who actually vote for the films on a re- who are regular voters on the site of each film. Uh, they score it 1 out of 10, and then it compiles probably the arguably the most comprehensive best ever 250 films list. So yeah. I think it's quite an important list of uh, of the quality of films. Um, Barry's got a post next on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, his next five films are The Thing, Little Miss Sunshine, Rebecca, District 9 and Crash, which I hated. I hated Crash. But, okay. Um, which Crash is it? It's the, the it can't be, it's not the, um, it's the Oscar Cronenberg, is it? Okay, yeah. yeah. That kind of ties in with Precious, doesn't it? It's been yeah. sort of Oscar very, very worthy yeah. in, uh, in inverted commas. Absolutely. Um, it ties in more with Blindside because it's a, it's another sort of Sandra Bullock racism sort of parable. But it's the one in which racism is so powerful it actually manages to push her down the stairs. What, what about your next uh, five um, films that you're going to be looking at? My next five I'm posting is uh, the Studio Liberty classic uh, Spirited Away, uh, Michael Mann's Heat, uh, the Marx Brothers Duck Soup, which is absolutely brilliant, uh, Charlie Chaplin's City Lights, which is, uh, again, unbelievably funny. I've, I was so surprised by it. And um, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope, which is another film I've not seen. And again, that was just incredible with these long shots. And yeah, yeah. It's just unbelievable. It's, it's unlike any Hitchcock film I've seen. Um, Are there any films you've watched so far that you think definitely shouldn't be in that top list? Uh, v for Vendetta. Yeah. Absolutely. Is, that in, is um, that in the top 250? Yeah, I can't remember what number it was, but it was wow. uh, reasonably high up. I think it's one film me and Barry have both actually watched for part of this oh, really? project by mistake, and it's probably the worst one <laughs> so far. <laughs> oh, no. And um, you were telling me earlier, what's, there's been one film that you've seen that you haven't seen before. Uh, yeah, 12 Angry Men. Never seen it before. A brilliant film. I love 12 Angry Men. Unbelievably good. It's probably gone to the top of my all-time favourite films. It's just, it blew me away. It's one of the most fantastically written directed films I've ever seen yeah yeah you can you can literally take that film apart and you know and you can enjoy it on that level and I have to say I'm a big big fan of it as well and that's kind of what this whole project was about wasn't it to see new films to find new things I found a new love for black and white films and some on the list so far I've seen is some like The Hot Rear Window uh, Duck Soup City Lights Rope uh, Pass of Glory which was unbelievably good by uh, Kubrick Mm. 
the apartment, like Billy Wilder, uh, these films are just unbelievable. V for Vendetta is, so out of the top 250, it's number 167, and it's got 8.1 out of 10, out of 205,000 votes, which is really high, and yeah. that's a lot of votes. You know? I know why. Go on. I know why. Well, it caught a sentiment when there was a, there was a sort of a whole, the green deification of American youth, in which they thought they were like really radical and really politically, you know, uh, astute, to not like George Bush, and they thought this was a really radical film. It's like, it's like, it's kind of like Mark Thomas made a comic book movie, isn't it, in a way? And it's got this sort of puerile, sort of juvenile grasp on, on, on what it thinks it's sort of anarchy or some political solutions might be. It, it's like the Reader's Digest version of the original comic, but for people who are... Um, the abridged version. Listen, yeah. yeah, who listen to too much, sort of like, uh, new punk. <laughs> I, I think it's a horrendous film, but it, but the timing was perfect. Culture was just going that way. Everybody was just rallying against against Bush and his legion of potatoes, <laughs> and and they were just so you know zap happy and wanting to stomp on them in every way. That support for this film showed showed that, and it was you know you choose this film to be a favourite because what you think it says about you, and that's why people choose. That's why most people choose their favourite films. I want to be the sort of person that likes Avatar, says Dave. <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, good. That's my nice sort of thing, though, isn't it? a nice you... sort of person to be, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, oh, I, wanna... no, I love it. I love Avatar. I sat next to you and we enjoyed it together. Yeah, we did enjoy it together. That was the first film we saw together, I think. I know. How romantic. Yeah, it was special. <laughs> Just me and you. You know, people chose to wear the badge of V for Vendetta and the film timed with certain political events. And, you know, it doesn't mean the film's got any quality to it at all because it's got almost none. And the, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, and and I think what's going to happen is when at the end of the year, when you've seen them all, that's when you'll sort of look back and then yeah. say what films deserve to be in there or what films were ridiculous. And and this is exactly the kind of thing we talk about. So, so grand. Okay. Um, that's pretty much rounds it up for now. We've got a preview of the next couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at um, uh, a single man. Uh, the Lovely Bones and Percy Jackson. I think next week's going to be quite big on Percy Jackson, so um, we're going to be talking a bit more about that next week. Any of you guys seen A Single Man or The Lovely Bones? No. No. I've not seen A Single Bone or A Lovely Man. <laughs> I mean, I'm not anywhere near either of them. I haven't got a whiff of either. I stood on the red carpet for The Lovely Bones. It was one of the most depressing experiences of my entire life. Well, no, you didn't really get to see the film. That. I have to say you didn't miss an awful lot, but um, it was particularly painful. I thought it was going to be a... Heavenly Creatures type adaptation of the book, but it really wasn't. It was bad 80s pop video, bad. Late, anyway. late 70s, maybe, John? Late no, 70s, maybe? No, definitely. Which killed. No, 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 no. That, that's why it was, it was awful and anachronistic, so I was not happy in, in two <laughs> ways there. Um, but I do want to talk about A Single Man, um, because that, I think, is going to be a big, big film, and I really, really enjoyed it. So when you guys have seen it, I'd really like to come back and talk about it. I think it'd be grand. Um... Okay, that's it for the episode. Just so you know, the most uh, clowns are the biggest thing that people are scared of following Hey You Guys blog on Twitter. Okay, so that's it for this week. Thank you very much for joining us today. Remember, you can find everything we do on heyyouguys.co.uk. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash heyyouguysblog. Thank you to Dave, thank you Gary, and also thank you to Brendan. Remember to check out his Slash Film UK column every Friday. We're going to be trying to do this every single week, so do check back. It's been great fun. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye.